0: Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Chris Panetta on the Rooted Leadership Podcast. And as always, we are in our studio downtown in Salem, Oregon. And Salem is, well, Groundwork is is here in Salem. And that's why we started this podcast not too many years ago, just a few years ago. And the goal was with this podcast was just to share, you know, stories and, and get some of these leaders that we work with in the community and even outside of our community to share their their insights. And the things that they've learned in their journeys. But it's grown and a lot of people are listening now, so that's kind of fun. And Groundwork is a leadership institute aimed at helping catalyze transformational change in our community. That's the simplest way to put it. So we've got a great show lined up. I got a guest sitting across from me, Evan. And I'll let Evan introduce herself here in in a, a minute. I'll tell you how I met Evan. We every year we have about twenty to twenty five participants that go through our institute and middle of the year we invite them to nominate a future year so we don't really do any marketing or anything of of that nature with groundwork it's it's all every year we have people that are participating based upon the nominations so which is really nice we get all these amazing people that are nominated we interview them And so Evan was nominated and that's how we met her. And I remember you came to one of our mid-year events that we had with our group and I got to meet you there. And you came, went through the interview process, got to know a little bit more about you through that. And you're going to join us next year and and then you're going to wait, you're going to know way too much about me. And we're going to, our whole relationship, you know, will, will change after that. As I've experienced the last four years, we get to know each other throughout the year really well. And there's definitely a closeness that we develop amongst everybody. So. I'm excited for that. But I'm going to pause there, Evan, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell us you know, who you are and what you do and, and anything else you want to share about yourself.
1: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to come in today and just for being able to participate in the groundwork cohort coming up. I'm really looking forward to it. So I am an entrepreneur located here in Salem, but I own food processing companies. And we do everything from school meals to prepackaged foods for vending machines, grab-and-go, retail, and pretty much everything you can imagine in the arena of food processing here in Oregon, Washington, and Northern California. So I started that company 16 years ago, just myself in a garage and just, you know, in my 20s and really idealistic and ambitious with a focus to try to improve the health of our kids. I just was so passionate about that. My own daughter is 16 years old now, And at the time, you know, she was an infant and I was nursing her. So I don't know if it was, you know, I was overly hormonal or emotional (laughs) or what. But I just I I really got passionate about trying to improve the health of kids. And there were reports that came out at that time that kids born in 2007 or thereafter have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. just all due to you know movement lack of movement Mm -hmm. diet exercise those kinds of things and that's what got me fired up and got me started to kind of write that first business plan and and go for it
0: yeah yeah so I love that I actually had a question as you were talking about why were you drawn to the food sort of I call it food industry you know probably probably that's not the right term but why you were drawn there but you answered that and I, I think that that's that's amazing I didn't know that I didn't know that that little data point but it makes sense. I was just reminiscing about this the other day with a a friend of, of our childhood and how Oh, I know what it was about. I was listening to a song by Ben Rector called Old Friends. Have you heard that? I don't think so. You have to listen to that it's by Ben Rector, Old Friends, but he's he's he sing he's singing the song with his old childhood band and and they're just talking about in the song about what it was like to grow up of how they could memorize everybody's phone number you know they <laughs> right. i still know i still know mine but oh, my, yeah. my best friend growing up seven five six zero one seven eight. 178 no that was mine his was seven five six eight nine three five. still you know he was talking about that he was talking about how he could still go back to his neighborhood and ride his bike with his eyes closed to his friend's house because mm-hmm. he's just such such clear memory of it but you you made me think about those memories with what you just said with activity and because my childhood was full of full of activity
1: oh absolutely yeah, yeah mine same and I've talked with a lot of different friends I have three brothers so yeah. and I'm the oldest so I mean we were all on BMX bikes we were all it was just take off in the morning and the rule was you know be home when the streetlights came yeah. on I mean nobody oh, yeah. and we would just bounce between houses you know and it was like whenever you were hungry like wh- whoever's house yeah. you were closest to Did that's where you ran in and ate yeah it was good good time good way to grow up
0: yeah we were my wife and I were laughing about how you just knew because you know we have little kids right now, and and it's almost like our kids now are just like we they're cared almost they're cared about like so much that we always have to know where they're at, you know. And they even have the little gab watches so they can call us when they when they need it. And we were thinking, man, when I was a kid, my parents didn't know where I was half the time. You know, they just, I was outside playing somewhere, you know, at the park down in kind of the the hills area or at somebody's house. And there was just a lot of trust given that mm-hmm. well, they'd be home they'll be home by dark and they'll figure out a way to eat. <laughs> and so now it's just so it's just funny how how things have changed. So I know this isn't the topic of our of our episode as we've discussed and we're gonna get into some fun things today, those of you listening, but but just a side note, what are some what are some as you've been in that world and you've been an entrepreneur in that world, what are some Some tips or advice that we can have to, especially with with kids, to get them more active, eating eating right, eating healthy. Because that's a scary thing to think that your kids could, that you will outlive your kids because Mm -hmm. of healthy habits started at a young age.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can just speak to my own experience with my daughter when she was little. Yeah. I n- did a lot of reading just in kind of like the Montessori kind of methodology. And one of the cute little things that I used to do is I would just put things at her level throughout the ho- kitchen mm. or, you know, and it'd just be like produce type ah, items and let her discover those things on her own. So I think that for me was a really helpful thing to not have it be kind of this issue of eat your vegetables, but more just making it really accessible to her to make those own choices. I know it's not feasible for everybody, but I always had a garden Mm. and just getting kids kind of connected in that way. It's really hard to, you know, water a a cherry tomato plant and not eat it, when eat from it once you actually see, you know, fruit on it, those kinds of things. On the business side of things, uh, I can tell a little story that actually is really funny because... When we first started with our menus, we were here in Oregon. Oregon is known, especially back in, you know, the early to mid two thousands when I started as, you know, foodie state. We were mm-hmm. real aware, you know, we were definitely on the forefront of artisan foods yeah. and clean, clean eating and all of that. And so we had this menu that had been working for years at Oregon schools, and we got some pretty big contracts starting about 10 years ago up in like inner city Seattle right. and other larger areas with much different demographics and populations. And so we just proudly, you know, brought our Oregon menus to some of these huge schools in downtown Seattle, for instance, and just about had a ride on our hands. Really?
0: Yes, as far Uh, as
1: from the kids, just not knowing what anything was, not uh, even being able to understand what some of the produce was. In some cases, actually, like, getting, like, aggressive and, like, growing food. I mean, just really, that's the other thing I've learned about food is that we're all making choices about food from an emotional standpoint.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, That's very true. We really
1: are. And so that's kind of an interesting thing to understand. So we were at a crossroads with our business where... The administrators from those schools were saying, just give us the junk. Uh-huh. Just give us the stuff that we've been accustomed to serving. That's what the kids want. Yeah. You know, we want this problem to go away. Now, an interesting thing is that would have made for a much more profitable contract for us if we would mm. have acquiesced to that. I see. But then it's like, that's completely against our principles yeah. and why I started the business. And so, That, I believe, is one of those examples that I'm really proud of with our team where actual leadership comes in, which is to stick to your principles and find a creative solution that's still serving the customer, but not Mm -hmm. going against your principles and doing the hard thing. Yeah. And so we had created these transitional menus that we had fresh and local foods menu items, and then we went out and we sourced from manufacturers and wherever we could, kind of the clean label, clean ingredient versions of some of the foods that they were accustomed to eating, like the chicken nugget, the hamburger, those kinds of things, but doing it with a more ethical and mindful mindset as far as the ingredients lists and where it came from and those kinds of things. And then we just kind of created this transitional menu. And so with a plan to over, we had said three years at the time, just kind of, add more and more of the fresh and local Mm -hmm. foods items. It took two full school years but because we survey the kids all the time. And we help them, you know, we coordinate with health classes to help them actually have a say and what shows up on the menu that mm. definitely gets more buy-in. Also, yeah, when you've get, got them enrolled in the process, but it really took only about two years before it went from that what I call riot stage <laughs> right. to the fre- the the favorite by far entrees was like chicken Caesar salad. I think yeah. that year, same uh. school, same inner city, same demographic, and so I think that's was a huge lesson for us to understand that um, your idealism and your education and your feelings around what people should be eating really isn't the point. You've got to meet people where they're at. yeah. And you have to make things accessible and you have to enroll people in, in the process and, and understanding and then have some patience to let those transformations yeah. happen over time.
0: Yeah. Love that. Thanks for sharing that story. A lot of takeaways there, especially things sticking out to me is, is sticking with your principles, your values, your, your purpose. And we'll get into a lot of that this this next year. And so it seems like, sounds like you'll have some amazing things to contribute to some of those conversations that we'll have. Well, as we transition, is there anything, I mean, what else do you, could you share about yourself with, with anybody listening that would be helpful to know before we get into the topic?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think one of the things for me, and we've talked a little bit about this, Chris, but is that... What is required to start a business from scratch, especially one that's manufacturing, has employees? I mean, it just has so much complexity and regulation and all of these things. You know, it just required my sole focus, just laser focus for so many years. To be able to to figure it out, to pull it off, yeah. to have it work, and so as we've been kind of taking this continuous, you know, improvement mindset over the last several years, and just kind of getting more efficient, figuring out how to empower other people, how yeah. to delegate things, you know, all of those things, what I'm learning is that my time is just more and more open, and that's just something I think that comes from the maturity of a business over yeah. 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so, and then of course, and I'm 42. So I think I'm also at that age where we start questioning, you know, what's my purpose? What drives me? Yeah. What are my, what are my passions? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do for the next phase of my life? All of those things. And so I think that that's all come to kind of a head for me in this moment where I I am asking those questions yeah. about where do I want to, Participate. Where can I have the most impact? What is needed now? What is the mm-hmm. new thing? What is my new why, basically? Yeah. And it's not so much that I'm not passionate about child nutrition anymore. I absolutely am. But what I learned through the process of growing the business is that I'm absolutely passionate about building businesses, mm-hmm. the leadership part the the learning, the creative yeah. problem solving. And that's that's something that's taken me on a whole new journey and a whole new way of of thinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Our our why, our purpose will continue to adapt as, you know, our life changes mm-hmm. and, and our life adapts. And we put in so much, I mean you look back on the last fifteen years of the, of this business that you've started. And it's such a great question to ask, well, what's the next 15 years like, you know, Um, because we don't want to make them the same as the last 15, you know, some things that we really love, we don't want to change, but, but yeah, that's a really great question to be asking ourselves. And I love that you found and developed those new, those new passions as well, which I know this whole sort of stage you're at, it was part, I mean, that we talked about in your interview was part of the reason why you felt this is a great year to kind of take Something that like groundwork on, so I want to use that to maybe segue into to a big part of the topic today, and we talked about this offline beforehand, but for for the listeners, we, you know we want to get into a little bit about you know kind of logistically talking about what people can expect before they they come through our leadership institute. There isn't any other institute out there like it. I mean, this is a year long Commitment up, you know, initially and then a longer commitment as an alumni, right? Obviously, people don't have to participate ever. We're not forcing anybody to do anything, but, but what, what's happening here is, is, is unique. And so there comes with that unique expectations and, and a unique experience. And so I was hoping today that we could, you know, just pick Evan's brain a little bit about what she's looking forward to and, And we can talk about what's what's to come, and then relate that to perhaps our own leadership and our own development, and the opportunities that we have, and no matter where we are in life as listeners, no matter what you do or where you're at, of how we can find a relevance to some of the things we talk about. So, Evan, let's start from you know from the beginning. You've given good background on yourself. You were nominated by Kevin, right? Correct. Yeah, Kevin Cameron. He's a county commissioner for for anyone listening here. Great guy. He's been in this year's cohort. He's just been a blast. I knew Kevin, you know, several years before Groundwork, but it's just been a blast to have him in. So you were nominated by Kevin and then you applied. You filled out the application and then we had the interview. So tell us about those two things. What was, What was it like? What did Kevin tell you? What was it like for him to come and ask you about this and tell you about this program? And then you apply and then you go through this interview. What was on your mind through all of that process?
1: Yeah. Well, I think kind of circling all the way back to the bigger picture, which is everything is about relationships. So Mm -hmm. first of all, my relationship with Kevin has gone back several years. I think I first met him maybe when I sat on the economic development board for Marion County years and years and years ago, and maybe through the chamber, those kinds of things. But I just always remember Kevin being very encouraging and very interested also in what I was doing. And and then we've since built an actual friendship over Mm -hmm. the last several years. And so I think that there are certain people in your life that you just really respect and who you have a lot of understanding as far as their philosophy and the way that they approach life. (laughs) that when they make a recommendation to you you just say Listen, yeah. yeah absolutely sure if if you think i should do yeah. this then then i'm listening and i'm paying attention yeah. so i think that was the a really good thing that that my nomination came from from him who mm-hmm. is someone like that for me and i knew actually just through our friendship while he was going through the cohort that year how he would talk about different lessons in the classes I knew how committed he was, which I I know how busy he is. And so I just I, I already had taken note just that he was making that kind of commitment of time. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it was something that he really valued mm-hmm. over that year. And then I think just going on to the website and then certainly in the interview process, what struck me is. What I would call just kind of the holistic approach, I just was immediately drawn to this idea that leadership or change or being a change agent or philanthropy even, that perhaps it's not necessarily this specific you know, cause or that specific mission, but what if we took a more holistic, bigger picture approach and try to help empower all of us to be more effective mm-hmm. in whatever areas that we touch? with the belief that, you know, rising tide lifts all boats kind of kind yeah. of thing. And for me, that just really resonated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A few things that I, I like that you mentioned, and this goes back, the first kind of goes back to that we, we don't really market here in the community. We have no sort of, you know, we're not out doing any sort of advertisements. We're barely on any sort of social media. And it's because... People are nominated like this whole process you just you've just explained. So it spreads word of mouth and it's coming from people people are typically nominating others that they all they have a great relationship with that they respect. And so they're feeling the same thing that you felt. Well, if they're recommending this, then I I'm gonna take it really seriously. And then that grows into having cohorts full of people from different backgrounds, different Industries. I mean, we have nonprofit, government, business, education, faith, community, people of all different backgrounds, and it just creates an an amazing environment that we've seen, that we just have learned over time the last you know three years doing this, and and you just don't know what will happen when you first start, and you know this from starting you know business, you you don't know what everything that's going to happen, and so you're learning so much as you go. That's been one of the the gifts that we've learned is the amazing people that get into the room and how they get there makes a huge difference. And so I love that. And the holistic approach you talked about, you know, Groundwork's vision to be a catalyst for transformational change. There's really some key elements to what we're doing. The first is it's it's provided for free by a philanthropist. And you know, philanthropists or foundations, charities, they have a moral responsibility. That's why they exist. They have an excess. They want to give it away. They want to be helpful. And so Groundwork is is basically partnering with a philanthropist to do that in their community, to here's how you can engage with your community, give back to your community, and sustain great things over time. And that's one key element. Another key element is the cross-sector collaboration, having all those people in the room. And then the third key element is what what's taught. So we don't just convene people and have them talk to each other. We have a curriculum and a language and a theory of change that we that we teach, that we learn together, that we go through. And what I've learned is that those three things combined is what contributes to sort of this transformational, holistic approach. And it's it's too hard to communicate all of that to people, you know, in, in an interview of here's what you're getting yourself into. But that's really, at least how I operate in in running this institute and, and what I'm thinking about. Let's talk a little bit about the expectations. Talk a little bit about it with Kevin of time, because it is, there's a time commitment. We meet once a once a week, sorry, once a month, not once a week, sorry. <laughs> we meet once a month, first Friday of every month, and we start the year with a three-day retreat. And then first Friday every month after that, and we end the year with a banquet. So that's Big time commitment, especially for leaders that are running organizations and or big time commitment for anyone. So what why do you feel that the time commitment is so important to the overall experience?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm a big believer in, you know, you get out of things what you put into them. So I definitely understand the concept of I mean, if you're truly committed to trying to do something or work with people to have transformational um, change, then you know, there's going to be a commitment of, of of resources to be able to do that. So I can understand that for sure. I think anything worth doing is there's a challenge aspect to it, whether that's, a, you know, spending extra time or whatever it may be. So I, I think that that just completely makes sense. And frankly, I, I think that if that time commitment didn't line up, you know, with the mission vision of Groundwork, then that would be a red flag to me. So I was actually really excited to hear about that because that aligns with kind of a a really lofty, ambitious goal, which I think is is really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because transformation is a big word. What is it anyways, right? And the way we define it is a fundamental shift towards positive potential that results in, in an action. And so that could look different in any individual's life. It can look different in our community depending on how our community's doing in that moment. But I fundamentally believe that if we don't that leaders are are at the heart of that, that good, strong leaders, loving, humble, you name it, at the heart of it's going to be at the heart of any sort of change that happens like that at a community level.
1: Yeah, and we also talked about, I mean, a little bit about my why and what is my Mm -hmm. new why and all of that. And I think that right now there is a a huge need for more connectedness. And I don't mean through social media or accessibility Mm -hmm. between, you know, getting on, getting in front of people. I mean, truly seeing one another and truly connecting with people on a human level. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other part, frankly, that that has drawn me to this is exactly what you're saying. Hey, because we're going through yeah. this experience that does ask a lot of us and we're doing it together, that there's real connection that's happening between people. And I believe that's absolutely useful regardless of what you do with it in the future.
0: Yeah. I. That's one of my favorite parts of being, being involved in, in groundwork in a significant way is the relationships. And I was just telling this story to somebody else the other day. Not really a story, just an observation. But the the Y had their luncheon a couple of weeks ago. The YMCA. And, you know, a lot of people go to those those events. And it was interesting. I was just kind of people watching. I'm kind of introverted, especially in big public spaces. I'm not much of a an extrovert in those in those environments. So I'm I'm just watching people and the event ends and, you know, people after events they kinda of go and talk to each other and mingle. But I noticed there were several groundwork alumni in the room, and i and I'm biased, but I did notice a difference in how they interact with each other mm-hmm. versus how they interact with others and it's It's simple they spent so long together a whole year seeing each other every month, and then there's this sense of camaraderie even with people that were in a different year, you know, so they might have been a year one or a year two individual, and I'm a year three they get to know each other because alumni are always coming back and they participate in these monthly sessions and just knowing that they went through the a similar thing we share this language around our rooted framework there's just a a unique interaction and a connectedness that they share that i observed that's exciting to me cuz i'm excited when there's hundreds and hundreds of 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 uh, leaders in our community that have had have, have that shared experience so so another question about the year, and this just goes to kind of expectations and what you're hoping to get out of it, knowing that you have a a mixture of people, some of them you'll know, some of them you don't. I mean, what are you really hoping to get, get out of the year that will translate into kind of that stage that you're talking about in your life where you're now thinking, okay, what's the next X amount of years going to look like for me. How? What are you hoping to gain, kind of personally, out of it, so that you, when you walk away, you can kind of hang your hat on, "I've done this" or "I'm, in, I've improved in this way" because I did have this experience this last year. And then, you know, what are you looking forward to in general with kind of those relationships that we talked about?
1: Yeah, I, I think that um, for me, this transformation that's been happening over the last couple of years is not just professionally, but definitely personally as well. And so I think anytime that you have kind of a safe space and that opportunity to spend a lot of time with a group of people and build that trust, that that's an opportunity to kind of get vulnerable with people, mm-hmm. maybe in a way that we don't always allow ourselves to. And so I'm anticipating just being able to grow, not only as a leader, but maybe personally as well. Yeah. I think that that's something that I'm excited about, of course, the synergies of different disciplines, different industries, those kinds of things does absolutely excite me, yeah, not only from the kind of practical standpoint of like, well, maybe there's other you know business opportunities or ways that we can be helpful or impact you know our community but but also in just understanding where different needs are in our community and how. Maybe some of my skill set or yeah. resources might be able to be applied in other areas that could have a positive impact.
0: Yeah. You 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 said something about looking forward to the personal and the professional growth. And I just had a, you know, random question on and as as somebody who's started their own their own business, found success in that over the last few years. And this is a kind of a tangent to what we're talking about with with groundwork, but how do you, what, if, what have you found as helpful in in what many would call the work-life balance? Because it, there, something interesting that does happen throughout Groundwork is that you're in this sort of neutral zone where you, you wear this hat of, I have this role in the community, and you're with other people and other leaders in the community that have different roles. But then everybody really gets to know each other at a much deeper kind of personal level So it kind of is this unique environment where people are sort of bridging this gap that might exist in typical work life balance. And that relates to anybody who's listening right now. We all have a work life balance that we have to figure out because there's no, you can't, you can't just transition from one to the next perfectly. They, they intertwine. So what have you found as, as perhaps some of the biggest challenges there? And things that you've learned that are helpful to you now.
1: Yeah. Well, as a mom and a a single mom for a lot of years, and obviously with the business and all the other hats that I wear and responsibilities, I think that the first thing for me was finally just discarding the word balance because goes, because you know you're always feeling like a failure because it's yeah. like w- everything's not in balance, you yeah. know. And it's like it's not really at least from my experience it's not really a balancing act. It's more like whack-a-mole, you know. Yeah. It's like where am I needed when? Mm-hmm. And being able to be organized and compartmentalized sometimes enough to be able to kind of do triage. Yeah. And Remain calm through it and bring a positive attitude. I mean, because your kid gets sick and, you know, this happens or that happens or this breaks or that, you know, I mean, it's life is unpredictable. And so for me, I found that as soon as I let go of the premise of I'm supposed to be in balance balance. at all times and instead making it a priority to take care of my health. So sleep, eating well, exercise maybe some, you know, spiritual time or quiet Mm -hmm. time or meditation time. I found that those are kind of the basics for me. And if I make it an absolute priority to make sure that I'm doing those things in my life, even when I don't feel like it, that what that does is it makes me have the capacity to do what I need to do on any given day with all of my responsibilities in a way that's graceful and calm and and kind of managing those things and and just ignore the fact or release myself from the (laughs) belief that I'm supposed to be somehow in this, you know, state at all times where everything's balanced.
0: Yeah. Let go of it. I like that. Just get let go of that word balance. Perhaps there's a paradox there of maybe we find a sense of balance Mm -hmm. by kind of embracing the chaos that that is is our lives because you're right there's we're always going to have to give we're always sacrificing something to get another thing mm-hmm. you know if i want to work harder and make more money create a new opportunity for myself professionally i'm taking time away from my kids if i want to spend more time with my kids i'm taking away my time mm-hmm. that i could be in somewhere else and so there's always a give and take mm-hmm. and there's no perfect balance so it's really like i like what you said of what are the priorities? Where do, Where am I most needed right now? And I think that that's a, that's a lifelong lesson. In fact, this book sitting right here in front of us, this is our keynote speaker next month at the banquet, Cassie Holmes. She's going to be on the podcast here in a couple of weeks, but this is her her whole research and life's work is around time management. So I'm actually here to hear what she has to say. She has this term that I've watched a couple of videos of hers and dove into the book a little bit around time poverty, that most of us have mm. a perspective of time poverty. And just like poverty in, in our world, it's a generational thing, and and it's hard to get out of poverty, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I believe, and I could be wrong, we'll find out when she's on the show and when she's here, I believe what her 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 message is a little bit of, we need to change how we see time and not see it as something that's scarce and get rid of time poverty if we want to change sort of our experience with it. Another random thing that I had to talking about work-life, ba- work-life balance, have you seen the show Severance? No, I have not. Have you heard about it? No. Okay, it's a pretty big TV watcher. Not so, much, not so much, actually. I'm not a big one. I can usually only handle maybe like one series at a time. For sure. And even then, it takes me several weeks, sometimes months to finish mm-hmm. it. And so I'm not a big watcher, but recently a bunch of people that I know said, to watch Severance. So I started watching it at the treadmill on the gym. Okay. And it's blowing my mind. Okay. So here's the idea behind it. Basically, when they show up to work, it's on Apple Plus mm-hmm. if you want to watch it. They they don't remember anything that happens in their personal life. They don't even remember who they are. They don't know their name. They don't even know anything. Oh, wow. And then when they leave work, they forget everything that happens at work.
1: Oh, wow. That's an interesting premise. Yeah.
0: So they, they volunteer for this program okay. basically at this company. They get something put in their brain <laughs> and anytime they transition to the bottom floor, it activates it and they forget everything about before. And then they, so, and the whole idea is, you know, it's, I think that the writers of this are messing with this idea of work-life balance. Like, can you really leave, what happens to a human being if they f- completely leave both lives? It's like you the know, ultimate
1: behind? forced compartmentalization.
0: Yeah. So they show up and they, like, when the, when they first get hired, they don't have, know who they are. They knew that all they knew is that they volunteered to do this. Okay. And then when they leave every day, they go back home and all they remember is I'm leaving work now. Like I'm, I'm getting off this elevator and now I'm going home, but I have that's no so idea what happened all day. Yeah. So it's really, it's been, it's been interesting. It's got some, some great actors in it. I can't remember his name, but he's in Parks and Rec. And anyways, that's not what our, our podcast is about to to be a show critics but it's a good it's a good one you'll have to okay. you'll have to watch it's yeah. it's kind of a thriller too because there's things going on okay that you know there's this debate of what's ethical what's not and there's some backstory and i'm only like two episodes in <laughs> yeah, and, okay uh, tomorrow was tomorrow thursday it's a cardio day so i will be on the treadmill and i will be watching that Perfect. tomorrow morning okay. so i'll give you an update okay <laughs> well thanks thanks for that that's this idea of work-life balance is always a constant for any anybody in general, specifically for leaders. Leaders do tend to take on a lot. Like you said, it, you, I wrote it down. You said when you took on your business and you were starting it, it required laser focus mm-hmm. for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And that's why not everybody can start businesses because not everybody can tap into laser being laser focused and and i would I would say that many of the leaders that that have come through our institute are that sort of person where they are very high performing they go they go they go they create and and it's important to understand the impacts that that might have on our life and and so the work life balance i love i love what you said sometimes we just have to get rid of that word balance because we might never find it so but but back to kind of the timeline of of the institute. I said this before we started recording, but our conversation and how we're talking about groundwork right now will be very different in a year from now, and partly part of that is the relationships that that we build. And so I think that was the second part of my question. But what what about the different people in the room? And and you talked about this with the connection is is both. Thrilling and 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 even there could be some fears there because we have, for example, we have this year people of complete in in elected positions of different ideologies, mm-hmm. and we have people of all different backgrounds. We had a a really just a powerful moment for me. Is it all right if I share this story? Yeah. And just to give you a picture of this, some of the things that happened, and I want to get your response to to that. Main question: What do you? What is thrilling about it, and and what may be fearful? At, at one of our retreats, we had this individual who was sharing. We did, we watched the movie the night before, and you'll watch this movie. It's a documentary, and it's about just incredible stories from people all throughout the globe that have overcome tremendous difficulties and forgiven people, moved beyond forgiveness. It's called Beyond Right and Wrong. So there's several stories in there. Lots about the Rwanda genocide, Israeli Palestinian conflict, and. There's stories of these people forgiving others and moving past heinous things that have been done to them. And so then we watched that one of the nights. So you have that to look forward to at the <laughs> retreat. And then the next day, we're kind of, you know, we are talking about it. We're we're discussing takeaways the next morning. And we had one individual share that, you know, they have a hard time moving past certain things with certain types of people specifically for them it was law enforcement they grew up when they grew up they witnessed the police officers drag you know their parents their dad outside of the house and beat beat them right mm-hmm. very traumatic experience and so this person now has a hard time just trusting law enforcement mm-hmm. in general and this was said knowing that there was a former chief of police in the room mm-hmm. right just sitting just a few seats down And so as the facilitator of the thing, I'm like watching all this happen. I'm like, I really hope that nobody's, you know, that, and, and we had a a really healthy conversation. It got really emotional around a lot of things, but I'm worried now because here's this individual that's sharing this and is basically saying, I don't want to, I don't want to change this perspective. That's not going to change. Like you can't, those things that I witnessed happen to my father, like that's not, that's not going to change for me. That was at least what I felt. And then I'm looking here at this former chief of police and thinking, Man, what's going on in their mind? You know, like what's happening behind the scenes here? Like are people shutting off? Are they and I, I don't know and we're just keep going through the curriculum. So we go through the whole day, you know, seven, eight hours later, and we break for the day and everybody's leaving and I watch that this person that, that shared that story is still sitting there and I'm keeping an eye on this former, you know, chief of police, this law enforcement individual. And I noticed that they walk up to the front of the room. They wait till everybody's gone except for me, and I'm kind of off in the background. But they go over to this individual, and then they, he kneels down, eye level, and then just has this conversation. I don't know what they said, but it was just really amazing to watch mm-hmm. that unfold. And, and I'm thinking, man, where else are some of these conversations happening? Where else are people having these different perspectives, completely different lives, and then they have the space where they can come and kneel down look face to face and have a conversation like that and those are just those are precious memories for me because i could tell the conversation was went really well and mm-hmm. there was an embrace and there was you know things that that happened and and i just i wish i knew what was being said but that was that was for them to to share and to have that memory but mm-hmm. so i think of those sort of examples as that's both thrilling and scary sometimes mm-hmm. when, when we're forcing ourselves to be in the room with different opinions and different perspectives, but that is an outcome. So, sorry I took up so much time telling that story, but back to the question of what is thrilling and, and perhaps fearful about this whole experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the personal yeah. gain that you talked about, but what beyond that, being in this group of people?
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. That that was That was really... It's moving and exciting. That's the thrilling part is mm-hmm. to think, oh, well, pretend, you know, perhaps our cohort will be able to have and share some of those kind of transformational moments. I would say also just in hearing you that what is interesting is that by the gentleman sharing that, knowing that the uh, chief of police was in the room, I think there was already that trust mm-hmm. that was built. So so from what I hear, I would I would maybe make the assumption that a lot of really good work was already done and that gets back to just the 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 amount of time that you're spending yeah. as a cohort together because it was already a safe space for him to be able to even share that regardless of what the outcome was going to be you know i think i think that's really interesting to know that those kinds of moments can happen because of the work that you do over time to build trust and a safe space so that you can actually tell the truth and be honest about your feelings. So that that part is is definitely thrilling to me. I also am personally really excited about exactly that. Just being able to have opportunities where we really see one another as people and even the, the curriculum
0: yeah.
1: where, okay, we're going to witness something, we're going to see something, we're going to consume something, and then we're going to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, something as simple as that, is so different from this kind of media, social media infotainment cycle where people are being very tribal and kind of digging in their heels and just kind of regurgitating, you know, what what people think is the right Mm -hmm. thing. They're of, of noble intent. But unfortunately, when you do that, you're not seeing and hearing people. And you're not having a shared experience and you're not talking through things and bringing, you know, adding value to the overall conversation. So those are all the reasons why I, I don't I don't fear that. I'm really excited about that. I feel like that is precisely on this micro level that what we're going to be doing in Groundwork yeah. that absolutely is going to to have to happen yes. at the macro level in order for us as humans to kind of get through this particular period of time that we seem to be in, which which is hard to stay positive and feel so divisive and all that. I think those experiences are precisely what's going to get us through to a more positive place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. We have uh, reminded me of a just a principle that's in our curriculum. We, we talk about this fundamental relationship that we have with other people, that there's the self, which is us, and then there's the other, which could be anybody. And then there's the space between us and that person. And that space between becomes the sort of relationship that we decide we form with them. It could be a stranger on the street. It could be just thinking about somebody that is maybe back home in another state or wherever we might be from. So they don't actually have to physically be there, but there's still a space between us and if I'm if I'm kind of mm-hmm. making sense of that. And so there's a space between us, us and others at all times. It's what connects all of us. It's the interwoven humanity that all of us share. We all breathe the same air. We all are on this planet together. We have this shared sense of humanity. And the problem is, and you've outlined some of this, is that oftentimes these spaces between us are really far apart. We're still connected. There's just a really big space. Sometimes we build up walls to try to create separation, but there's still a space there. Sometimes we try to forget about them and ignore them. And so there's this concept and this really this 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 call to action that we give of saying we have to dare to explore the space between. We have to dare to venture into it. And what I, what I think of is, you know, one of the ugliest world wars, World War I, there was trench warfare, and they used to call that space between the trenches no man's land. And it was a scary place. And so that's what I feel like sometimes it can be, especially when we're in conflict. But even when we're not in conflict and we're just staying in our comfort zone, to dare to explore that space and we try to not only talk about that principle but then create the environment where people can dare to explore the space between them and others we do these things called community digs every session and you know the idea is that we're digging deep with people so you'll you'll be paired with somebody next year i'm not sure when we'll tell you i think it's going to be january that will tell you here's your here's your month that you're assigned and here's your your person that you're paired with and your job is with that person to get to know them as much as you can and before you actually are up for the dig. Because when you get up for the community dig, if it was me and you paired, you would introduce me and mm-hmm. I would introduce you. I think we told you about this in the interview. Mm-hmm. And those are those have been really powerful moments for the whole group because it's there that we get to learn that, you know, somebody likes to do, I mean, basic get-to-know-you things, but things that you just would never know. That somebody likes to do 50-mile like bike rides. You know, it's there that we get to know things about people's past that we didn't know or about who they are and what really makes them motivated that you just don't get. And here it is in this community level, that's what breaks past barriers and breaks through those walls. Mm-hmm. So I thought of i thought of that as you were talking, that we have an opportunity to dare to explore that space. Oops, sorry. That's the third time I've, second time I've bumped something in here. <laughs> Usually I'm super cautious of it. So I want to maybe relate this now to anybody out there listening because- Groundwork's a very unique thing. It's not in other communities. I would love to see it in in hundreds of communities all over eventually. But if I'm sitting in some other place right now, there's no such resource around me. What can I do? And this is an easy this there's not going to have an easy answer to this, so it's fine, but let's just think through it. What can I do to get these experiences to grow personally and professionally to to collaborate with people of different backgrounds different industries different perspectives and really push myself to improve not just for the sake of me improving but because when a community can do that that's when they start to come together and solve their problems because there's there's way more problems than any of us have any solutions to so how so i i think you're getting what i'm saying but what what can we what would be the advice what can we say to people out there that don't have well, I'm just going to join Groundwork next year, and I'll get that experience. <laughs> right. How do we do that?
1: Yeah. Well, gosh, I, I mean, that's that's a that's that's the million dollar question. I think it's really interesting. I'm so excited to hear Cassie when she's on and and grab that book actually and and read it. But and it's it's hard because talking about time and how much time we really have and how much scarcity there really is. And I think that there's something that's that I feel like it's important to be cognizant of because i don't want to i don't want to miss the point for a lot of people especially in other communities like you're talking about who are actually working two or three jobs they're just trying yeah. to make ends meet you know those kinds of things and so so i i guess i don't know how to say what i'm going to say without just making sure that you and listeners and people know that i'm definitely cognizant of that yeah, because if I'm talking about myself, I understand that I do have the luxury of time mm-hmm. and other things not to be one of those people that's like judgmental about, you know, Netflix time or, you know, whatever phone time or screen time or whatever it is. Um, But I know from for me just utilizing even on the phone the an- analytics about screen time yeah. and just you know I'm big into you know you can't change it you can't manage it if you don't measure it right yeah. so you know I I have been utilizing some of that technology to manage my own behavior around mm-hmm. screens and so earlier when I said oh no I'm not really into watching TV that's true, and over time has in my adult life has pretty much been true. I've been interested in in reading and yeah. theater, and you know playing a musical instrument, and you know tried to be sort of well-rounded in those areas, but it's required me to be really mindful about it and intentional about yeah. wanting to make sure or just valuing. Spending my t- free time in those ways, yeah. But if I'm honest, I've 100% been through those periods where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm burnt, I'm zapped,
0: yeah,
1: I'm whatever, not in a mentally integrated space. I don't know whatever it is that you know. I binge watch whatever you know trash yeah. TV <laughs> there is to watch. I'm yeah. human, obviously, uh-huh. and so I guess, I guess I would say with all of that that it's hard for me. I want to be really careful that I'm not telling people this is what you should do because I I just don't really believe in that. Mm -hmm. I can speak to my experiences. And so for me, I think that just being intentional about how I'm spending my time and then looking, and then once I've done that, looking at, okay are there do i actually have the time to maybe mm-hmm. volunteer on a nonprofit board or yeah. to volunteer at a nonprofit or to host something in my neighborhood or to you know have a something social you know i i think that oftentimes we we all know the answer to well how do you get more connected you know be a joiner join a club join a group yeah. go you know do this or that and oftentimes i think we all sort of re we lean on to I don't have time for that, mm-hmm. and again, I want to make sure that there are some people that legitimately do not have time for that mm-hmm. uh, because of the you know their, yeah. their their the reality of their circumstances. Mm-hmm. but for those of us who who do have the luxury of time and taking in the opportunity to be intentional about how we're spending our time, I think there absolutely are opportunities to to put yourself out there and in situations where conversation, one-on-one, interpersonal interactions occur. And I I guess, you know, you just have to be willing to put yourself into those situations and trust that something good is going to come of it. Whether it's like, oh, I've learned from this and what I've learned is this is not the right organization for me Mm -hmm. moving forward and here's why. That's okay. That's still growth but i think being that having that joiner mindset and putting yourself out there and and showing up i mean that's we hear those words all the time you know showing up is whatever percentage of everything in life and and i think that's that's absolutely true for right. for interpersonal relationships as well
0: yeah they had a lot of really good thoughts there and you're absolutely right there's you know there's people that are working you know, three jobs to to provide to make ends meet. So, the thought of even joining a a leadership institute as an extra thing is is not even in the not even in in you know in their sights, and probably not even listening to something like this and that, a podcast like this, right? And you're you're a hundred percent right. It is a it's a blessing and it's a privilege, and and that's you know that's the I mean I that's so important that those that have Those sort of blessings, or can make the time, or those sort of privileges. I can't remember the words you used. It might have just, you might have just used the word privilege, but I I wrote down responsibility that we also have a responsibility to use it wisely, to use it well, um, and to be the ones that can come together to help solve challenges that whether it's our families are facing, our organizations, our community as a whole. But there is a sense of responsibility there. And it's kind of what I started with talking about, you know, charitable foundations. I mean, they I I'm fascinated with the world of foundations because they they are they exist because there was an excess. <laughs> that that somebody or something created just a plethora of resources in excess and now they're giving it away. And so with that becomes comes this massive moral responsibility. And what I've found is that when we when we use that moral responsibility of one individual to give back to their community for something that's free like this, it creates a a moral responsibility mm-hmm. in others and a sense of I you know that we can do that st- we can do something together. And I think that's a, a a magical thing. And what did you call it? The joiner become a a joiner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of the mentality of we had a guest a long time ago, Sue Bloom, CEO yeah. of you know Sue. I do. And she her and I talked about. I, I had asked her, you know, how how has she gotten where she she is today? Because she at one point was, you know, the executive assistant of a former executive director there, mm-hmm. and she went to him and she said, you know, he said, "What do you want to do one day?" And he wasn't, you know, thinking that she was going to say this, but she said, "I want to have your job one day." Yeah, and I love that. And but she said it started with the mentality of be the first to raise your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, raise your hand first. Then when there's an opportunity. Even if you feel like you're overwhelmed with things, raise your hand and just get get opportunities. And then it goes back to something else we talked about of balance is that, well, we're never going to have perfect balance. And so if there is anybody listening, I think that the, the advice you gave is really sound is never going to be perfect. There's not a perfect situation. We don't have a perfect world, but raise our hand first mm-hmm. and, and see if there's things that we can we can be involved in and do because not everybody can. And so, if we are in a place where we're even thinking about that question, that's a good place to be to to ask ourselves if we can do that. We just got a, a couple minutes left, so we'll we'll wrap up. But we've we've covered lots of of things, from TV shows to <laughs> to the experience that people can look for in Groundwork. And I hope that those that are listening or will listen that are not in our community and don't have a Groundwork Leadership Institute down the road, they found value in in some of the things we've talked about. I certainly have. So I'm left thinking about. A number of things, but before we close, what what is what's your what's your power statement? I usually ask, what's your last last remarks you want to make that maybe bring some of these thoughts together that we've had today?
1: Oh my gosh, a power statement! Power statement! Wow. Well, I will tell you right now that the next thing I'm going to do is <laughs> fully develop my power statement
0: for the future. <laughs> so when you're asked, hold on, I got it. Pull it out of got your pocket. It,
1: got it. It used to be your elevator pitch. Now it's your power statement, which I love that, actually. That's that's really good. Hmm. Well, I I guess just all the things that we've been talking about. I mean, you know, and I know that vulnerability is a real buzzword right now. And we're talking about it in personal growth and in business and all those things. But it, it really is true that, you know, I I, I think that if we can start to peel back the layers of ourself a little bit and just get past the fear of doing that yeah. uh, and maybe be the first one to do that when you're talking with someone or when you're in a relationship or when you're in a room or mm-hmm. whatever it is and kind of moving through that that fear that that it's worth it and that I think good can always come of that mm-hmm. um, and that's that's something that regardless of if we're talking about working in your community or working in your business or working in our relationships or that that that's kind of the bigger picture and again why I'm so excited to to embark on groundwork because I feel like that bigger picture, bigger purpose, bigger sense, bigger understanding, you know, that that's kind of where you all are coming from. Mm -hmm. And that's that's certainly what attracts me.
0: Yeah. Something bigger than ourselves. Yes. Exactly. And that's a piece of transformational theory and leadership is to stand on a cause that's bigger than, than all of us. Well, this has been, this has been fun. I think it'd be fun to, to talk again in a year's time (laughs) and and see, see how it's, (laughs) see how the year went. Right. See if we still talk about TV shows at at that point. But, but yeah, we'll have to talk again in a year because it'd be fascinating to, to get, well, here's, and we could go back and say, here's the things we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, how did it go? You know, did you have that experience? What, what did you, you know what happened that you didn't expect nothing magical happens i'll I'll say that you have we have some really powerful moments, but it's 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 the consistency that's mm-hmm. created over time that makes a a difference. It wouldn't be the same if it was just one weekend or two months. It's the consistency of a year and then how it continues as an alumni that you're part of that greater community. I think those are the things that make will make a difference here in our community and again, I hope this can spread to other communities one day but it's been a joy having you here thanks for answering my questions and and contributing and sharing your insight and thoughts and i I equally look forward to the new year. It's exciting every year when we start again we get fresh new group of people. It's very very fun and most mostly because we get to know people so so well by the end of the year. so I'm excited to learn from you and 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 have you participate so thanks for joining us on the show
1: thanks Chris. Thanks for having me. appreciate yeah.
0: it. Awesome. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, be safe.